Bibles, if you would please, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. For those of you that were not able to be here last Sunday night, uh, you missed an incredible uh, blessing, is the only way I can say it. I I left here last Sunday evening, uh, my heart full and uh, my spirit lifted and and um, it, it was just a it was just a great time of of singing and, and giving praise to God and so very thankful for that. But I haven't been able to get away from something that was said last Sunday night. <clears throat> last Sunday night, a hymn history was read on the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And I have, I have, I have not been able to get that out of my mind. Not, not so much the song, but the story behind the song. <clears throat> Before the song was sung last Sunday, the, the, the history of the song was read. And, and <clears throat> I, I, I think that the thing that grabbed me about this particular song was the brutal honesty of the author. You know, oftentimes our Christmas songs are light and joyful and, 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 and rightfully so. Should, shouldn't they be? <clears throat> exactly. It's a celebration of the birth of our Savior. But... I had I, I I can't tell you how many times that I've heard probably even sang uh, this song I heard the bells on Christmas Day and never recognized one line or one portion of the song. So I, I I know that there are people that are here this morning that were not here last Sunday night. So I decided I was going to read to you the hymn history that was read last Sunday, so you kind of understand what grabbed hold of my heart and and I from the nods in the room uh, there were several others as well this is this is the history of it one of the most famous carols we hear during the holiday is I heard the bells of Christmas day the story behind the song based on a poem by Henry Wadsworth Fellowship is very interesting in 1860 uh, Longfellow was at the peak of his success as a poet. Abraham Lincoln had been elected president, giving hope to many in the nation. But things soon turned dark in America. And for Longfellow, personally, the Civil War began the following year, and Longfellow's wife died of severe burns after her dress caught fire. Longfellow sustained Uh, severe burns on his hands and face from trying to save his wife. He was so badly burned that he could not even attend her funeral. In his diary for Christmas Day, 1861, he wrote, How inexpressibly sad are the holidays. In 1862, the Civil War escalated and the death toll from the war began to mount. In his uh, uh, diary for the uh, year uh, Longfellow wrote uh, of Christmas, 
Merry Christmas, say the children, but there is no more for me. In 1863, Longfellow's son, uh, who had uh, run away to join the Union Army, was severely wounded and returned home in December. There was no entry in Longfellow's diary for that Christmas. For Christmas Day that year, Longfellow wanted to pull out of his, depress- his, his despair. So he decided to try to capture the joy of Christmas. He began, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, a wild and sweet, the words repeat, on, uh, of, excuse me, <clears throat> of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. As Longfellow came to the sixth stanza, he was stopped by the thought of the condition of his beloved country. The Battle of Gettysburg was not long past. Days looked dark, and he probably asked himself the question, how can I write about peace on earth, goodwill toward men in a war-torn country where brother fights against brother and father against son? But he, but he kept writing, <clears throat> and what he did write or <clears throat> was this. This is the sixth stanza, and this is what got a hold of my heart. And in deep despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That could be said of our world today as well. But then, catching an eternal perspective and the real message of Christmas and Christ himself, he wrote this in the seventh stanza. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall shall fail and right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Title of my message this morning is this. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. I believe that Henry Wadsworth uh, Longfellow before he penned the words to this incredible song, had made a critical mistake. Please get a hold of this because I believe this is where most people in our world live today. He was basing his opinion of joy and peace on his circumstances. In Luke chapter 2, Let's start reading in verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, 
with the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you again for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here to worship and to lift your name and celebrate the birth of our Savior. Help us, dear God, to keep our eyes off of the world and off of the presence and the, and the festivities of the season and keep them on you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Verses 9 and 10 of here, <clears throat> we see something very, very important. Uh, <clears throat> it says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came uh, upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. What, what, what happened? They were fearful of their circumstances, were they not? Here they were, minding their own business, watching the sheep in the field, and all of a sudden these angelic things appear. Now, don't you think you'd freak a little? Absolutely. I'd be running. But verse 10, and and please get this, because there's two words here that are a theme throughout the Christmas story. See if you can find them. There's two words. And the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. What is the theme? Fear not. Fear not. It appears through the, throughout the Christmas story in Luke chapter 13, or excuse me, Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy Prayer is heard, uh, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. In in, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 30, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. In Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 73 to 75, And the oath uh, which he sware to his father Abraham, that he would grant unto us, that we, uh, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him uh, without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. Again, the theme of fear not. And then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, we see it again. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Fear not. In each of these examples that I read this, 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 this morning, each of these examples deals with the circumstances that these individuals were going through. Who, who were the angels in verses 9 and 10 talking to? Okay. No. Look at verse 10. And the angel said unto them, now they were directly speaking to them, so yes, you're right, but let's continue reading. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to what? All people. See, the declaration of fear not has nothing to do with peace. We think that fear not and peace are the same thing. They are not. 
And, and if you're going to get anything out of the message this morning, you need to understand that there is a separation between the declaration of fear not and the idea of peace. Because in every situation, the declaration was made based on the circumstances that the individuals were going through. Fear not. In verses 9 and 10, we see the, the declaration of fear not, but, but fear not because of the good news. See, God did not send a soldier to save the people of Israel. He did not send a government official to save the people of Israel. He did not bring a, a, ref, a social reformer to usher in a new mantra of philosophy what did he do he sent a savior because the greatest need of mankind then and the greatest need of mankind today is peace that is what each and every one of us longs for Have you ever heard of Pax Romana? No. Okay. <laughs> it's not a disease, okay? <laughs> Pax Romana, P-A-X Romana. There's two words, and it literally means Roman peace. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read this because I don't want to misquote it here. Uh, Pax Romana was declared by the emperor in 27 B.C. So... <clears throat> what? How old would Christ would have been in 27 BC? <laughs> no, he would have been about 27. Okay. <clears throat> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. He. He, he would. He, it would have been about 27 years prior to his birth. Okay. So. <clears throat> so. Pax Romana was relatively new in the world, okay? It would have been probably about 54 years old, okay, this Pax Romana. The Stoic philosopher, and I hope I get his name right, Epicus, said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy, he cannot give peace of heart from which men yearn more than outward peace. See, the problem is, we are de it was the, the declaration of Pax Romana is a peace from circumstances. But, but you, you got to get a hold of this. <clears throat> An absence from war does not guarantee peace. An absence from war does not guarantee peace. And just because the emperor declares Pax, Pax Romana does not mean that there was peace on earth. Now there may not have been war on earth at the time, but there was no peace on earth. 
Pax Romana is peace from circumstances. Christ is an inward peace that only he can give. When it, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the, <clears throat> the expression shalom, but uh, Jewish people will oftentimes uh, greet each other and other people with the word shalom. And I, I never knew this, but the word shalom here, uh, you know, <clears throat> we, we lie a lot. Okay, we as American 21st century Americans, we, we love to lie. And, I, and I'll demonstrate how we lie. How many times have someone greeted you and say, how you doing? I'm fine. And you just lied through your teeth. And and (laughs) I did it this morning. How you doing, Pastor? I'm fine. Oh, I got a head cold. You know, we're, we're, we're just a bunch of babies, especially us guys. We're worse. <clears throat> I I can't believe I can't believe I admitted that, but it's true. But the idea of shalom was not just a casual, hey, how you doing? The word shalom really carries with it several concepts. <clears throat> it is a greeting of well-being, hoping that you are doing well. But it is also a greeting of health. Not only that you're doing well, but that you're you're healthy. It, and it also includes the idea of prosperity, security, soundness, but most importantly, a sense of completeness. So when a when a Jewish person, if they are meaning it with sincerity, when they are when when they greet someone and say shalom, <clears throat> what they are doing is they are they are <clears throat> they are hopefully concerned with you as a whole. See, the word shalom has more to do with the heart of the individual than the circumstances of the individual. See, as we greet one another, generally speaking, and we say, oh, hey, how you doing? What are we concerned about? We we're concerned about the circumstances of the individual, not necessarily the heart of the individual. Because if we were really concerned about the heart of the individual, then when we ask that question, we would stop and wait and ask for and wait for a response. I made the mistake of telling somebody in line at Walmart, I say, hey, how you doing? And she just dumped on me. I didn't want, was I, was I really asking for that? I should have been, but I really wasn't, okay? The truth is, I stood there, you know, I can't believe, you know. <laughs> but, but the truth is, she was just responding to my question. And see, the reality is, unfortunately, we are more often concerned with the circumstances of people's lives than the heart of the people. And the word shalom carries with it an interesting concept. Life back then was, was incredibly difficult. Uh, <clears throat> they were struggling with high taxes, high unemployment, 
the, the morality. If you think our world, morally speaking, is in bad shape, uh, <clears throat> it was far worse then. Uh, they lived in basically in a military state. The Roman government, uh, they, they couldn't do anything without permission from the Roman government. Life was a struggle then, and as you all know, life is a struggle today. But our life today compares nothing to what those people did had to deal with then. They had nowhere to go. Think about it. They were a, they were a conquered people. They had they had no political leverage. They had they had no rights. They had they had nothing. And they were desperate in their situation. The the Roman law could not meet the needs of their hearts. The Greek philosophy that was being crammed down their throats could not meet the needs of their hearts. Religion could not meet the needs of their heart. They needed a Savior. They did not need Pax Romana. They needed peace. Did I give you point number one? Okay, if you're not, good. Okay, point number two. Peace. Peace. Look at verse 14. Glory to God on the highest. In fact, we sang it to this morning. Glory. You, you don't want me to keep going. But uh, you get, you know, uh, uh, glory to God on the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace. The declaration of peace. Again, Please understand that fear not has nothing to do with peace. Fear not has to do everything with circumstances. Peace has nothing to do with circumstances, but has everything to do with the heart. Fear not was a declaration to all people. And peace came through Jesus Christ. Look at verses 10 and 11. And the angel <clears throat> said unto them, Fear not, and behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, who is this written to? Every person. It is a personal pronoun. Now in verse 10, when it talks about all people, is that a personal pronoun? No, that is a a general statement, all people. In verse 11, it is a personal pronoun. It is to the person reading this. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, He brought peace that cannot be explained. The peace that a believer in Jesus Christ can experience today 
cannot be explained. I've tried. If you can explain it, help me out. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, even the Bible tells us we're not going to understand it, shall keep your minds, your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, excuse me. I'm going to read you two stories, and I want you to compare these two stories in the light of peace. Thousands of people each year visit Winchester Mansion in San Jose, California. This massive structure was built by Sarah Winchester, the widow of the gun, uh, the, the gun company owner. For 38 years, from 1884 until her death in 1922, the house was under constant construction. Teams of carpenters, masons, and other workers were employed around the clock. Various stories have been told about uh, the reason for the unusual practice. Most center on Mrs. Winchester's belief that she either was haunted or would be haunted by the ghost of those killed by her husband's weapons unless she kept building her house. Others claim that she thought that she would not die as long as the building continued. Whatever the reason... She continued ordering more renovations and construction as long as she lived. There were more than 10,000 windows. Can you imagine springtime at that place? Wow. There were, <laughs> there were more than 10,000 windows in the Winchester mansion, doorways and stairs that led to blank walls and some 160 rooms in total. It is estimated that she spent more than $70 million in today's money <clears throat> on largely pointless construction. Man, you know, I've, I thought, man, I would have loved to work there. <laughs> you know, you just, man, it just never ends. But this is the kicker. All in a desperate search for peace that would ultimately doom and fail. Here's the second story. Contrast this with the first. In 1555, Dr. Nicholas Ridling was sentenced to be burned at the stake in England because of his witness for Christ. On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be an assistance and a comfort. Nicholas Ridley declined the offer, saying, I intend, God willing, to go to bed and sleep as quiet tonight as I ever did. Because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of an everlasting arms of his Lord and his Savior. You tell me the difference. It's, a, it's the matter of the heart. Here we have a, a lady who was tormented in search for peace. Because ultimately, is that not what each and every one of us desires more than anything? 
You know, it's an amazing thing that you can, you can, de- <clears throat> I, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I made this statement a few years ago, and, and those of you who know Dennis uh, Lally, he bought me a book on it. Um, but there's a book on people's last statements, you know, the, their last sayings before they die. And it's an interesting thing to read through this book. And almost verbatim, the wealthy people, when they die, they almost verbatim say, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. They've spent a lifetime searching for riches, searching for that final dollar that would bring them peace and comfort in their lives. And guess what? They never found it. Yet, this this man that we talked about, Dr. Nicholas Ridley, knowing he was going to be burned at the stake, slept like a baby the night before. Because the peace of God passes all understanding. We can't explain it. All we can do is experience it. Today, people search down empty hallways and go upstairs that lead nowhere in search for that peace. We see it in the form of searching for wealth. We see it in the form of addiction, and be it any kind of addiction, alcohol, drugs, video games, pornography, you name it. it. People are searching and searching and searching, and they're going down hallways that go nowhere. We see it in entertainment and sports, and the list can go on and on and on. And you all know what I'm talking about. We live in a world that is consumed with finding peace. And they find no peace. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 through 5. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty cities he excuse me, layeth it low, and he layeth, he layeth it low even to the ground, and bringeth it even to the dust." Rather than seeking peace as an end, we should follow Christ. We can can search for peace our entire lives and be like Mrs. Winchester. Building stairways nowhere. Opening doors and finding nothing behind it. Going down hallways that lead nowhere. And then thirdly, and in closing, contentment. Contentment. Let's look at verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which is... Excuse me. Excuse me. in the Bethlehem and see the thing, uh, this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And it came to pass, uh, and they came with haste 
and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it were told unto them. The byproduct of peace is contentment. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of contentment that, you know, we should should never be content with who we are. We should always want to become better and closer to God in everything that we do. But I think you know exactly the kind of contentment I'm talking about here. I'm talking about with the contentment with our quote-unquote circumstances, if you would. Some of the happiest people that I know today are the people that have the least. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, <clears throat> But godliness with contentment is great gain. It didn't say with possessions and contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul understood as he was writing to young Timothy that his contentment and his happiness, his joy, his peace was not in his circumstances, was not wrapped up in the things that he possessed. Because we live in a world today where Christmas has been turned upside down. Today, Christmas equals chaos. We live in a world of chaos. And it only gets worse at Christmas. If you don't believe me, go to Walmart this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. If you, you, you want to get run over by a reindeer, yeah, go to Walmart. <clears throat> Con- contentment for most people this time of year is a strange concept. They don't get it. Because why? The majority of people in Fernley, Nevada today are looking forward for two more days when they can open their presence and they can become content with the things that they receive. But we know here today that there is no contentment in that. There is only more emptiness and more sorrow. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 35, He will not regard any ransom, neither will he rest content, though thou give many gifts. You know, when our kids were little, now this is, I don't know if Ashley knows this, I may be throwing myself under the bus, but we honestly did not give our kids presents at Christmas time until they were probably five or six. There was no need. Yeah, grandma, grandma, you know, grandma, you know, grandpa, you know, <laughs> you know, between all of that, there was, I mean, it was, it, why? Because, and, and, and according to this verse, and I believe it to be correct, the more you give, the more is expected. And the more that is expected, the deeper the sorrow.
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable, or, or literally his undescribable gift. See, contentment cannot be achieved by increasing our possessions. It cannot be. It cannot be. True peace and contentment is a matter of the heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. See, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, before he penned the words, to I heard the bells on Christmas Day had been so focused on the circumstances of his life, the death of his wife, the, 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 our country being torn apart by civil war, the, the death, uh, 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 you know, like, he, like the, 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 the um, hymn history said, it was right on the hills of Gettysburg. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Brother fighting against brother, father against son, and the turmoil and all of this stuff. And, and as the years progressed, his bitterness got deeper and deeper until he got to the point where he realized, I have got to do something to find true peace and contentment. That's why I love the last stanza so so much. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. We live in a world today, let me tell you, we live in a world today that God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And he knows the pain that people are going through in this world. And we are getting ready in two days to celebrate the answer to the problem. But let me ask you, how many of you have told someone this season about the gift? See, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. We live in a world of people who are hungering and thirsting for peace for contentment. And all they have is emptiness, frustration, and bitterness. And we have the answer. The example set forth by the shepherds is that they went forth and told. And we hold back and we, we, we covet and, we, and we, we hold on to and we... We fail to reveal the secret. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. <clears throat> With peace on earth, goodwill toward men. There will be a day. There will be a day. Praise God, he's coming. There will be a day where it's all going to be set right. But until then, we are going to be living in a world that is... Oh, I just... I shouldn't have done that. Hold on. <laughs> I hate electronics. <laughs> we live in a world today that has been turned upside down. 
And it's going to get worse before it gets better. And if there's going to be any sanity in this world, it's going to be because of the story that we just read. And the peace and contentment that can pass all understanding. You have at your fingertips the ability to share the truth and to fill the emptiness that many people live. What are you going to do with it? It could be this morning that there's someone here that is struggling with that bitterness, that emptiness, that has, you say, you know what, Pastor, what you said this morning makes a lot of sense, but the reality is, is simply, I have this emptiness in my life. Well, let me tell you, Christ wants to fill that emptiness. I remember when I was in the Navy back, this would have been in 1980, before I got saved, I remember sitting in a bar one night trying to drink enough alcohol that the emptiness in my life, I I literally remember sitting at the bar. This This is a gospel truth. I remember sitting in a bar in Charleston, South Carolina, looking down at my chest to to see if there was a hole in my chest because I felt a physical emptiness in my life. And I remember looking down, trying to see that hole and determining that night I was going to drink enough to make that hole go away. About a week, maybe two later, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I remember laying in my bed that night like it was yesterday. And the realization had hit me. The hole was gone. And I remember laying in my bed that night looking down to see if the hole what happened to the hole? And I remember connecting in my mind the filling of that emptiness in my life with the prayer that I had just prayed. And I remember laying there, and I this is not doctrinally correct, okay? I had been saved for about a half an hour, okay? <laughs> But I, had, I was laying in bed and I started confessing every sin that I could remember ever committing because I never wanted that emptying feeling ever again. And I know this is even more heresy, but I remember laying there praying and, and, and I finally just kind of ran out of stuff and, and, I, and, and the thought hit me. Just and this is this is true. I really thought this. Just in case the bookkeeping upstairs isn't too good, I started confessing sins that my brother did. <clears throat> I didn't want to get blamed for that. All because I didn't want that emptiness ever again. See, God changed my life that night. And my search for peace had come to an end because I found it. And it has never left me. 
How are you on your search? Is there anybody here this morning that would say, I'm on the search. I'm searching for that peace. I need that peace. That could be you. Could be that you have found that peace. But for whatever reason, it's kind of been misplaced and your priorities have changed. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, fear not has everything to do with circumstances. Peace has everything to do with your heart. And you can have peace in the midst of horrible circumstances. I know because I've lived it. Let's pray.